Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ready to Redo. I'm Jo Yang, and today, as the title suggests, we are unpacking the problem of labeling and why I actively avoid things like dumb, smart, gifted, talented in the classroom and in just everyday life. I, I explain all about that, and I don't think there's much more to explain right now, so let's jump into it. Welcome back. So today we're just going to jump straight into one of the most overlooked ways to self-sabotage or to sabotage others, which is labeling. And you see this in workplaces, in schools, in just everyday conversations without us even knowing we're doing it and not realizing just how harmful they can be. And especially, especially in schools where people are there to learn and to grow and to have these sorts of labels which can stop them from actually trying things out is so, so harmful. And things like, I'm so dumb. I've, I've heard that so many times in every single school that I've worked in or volunteered at. I have heard these words of, miss, I'm so dumb or Miss, I, I can't do it. Look at them. They're so smart already. They're so gifted and all of these labels, which I find are stifling them and stopping them from just attempting something. And so if we're able to get past the idea of labels and to pick up on when we're using them and how they're harming us or affecting us, then we can actually look to succeeding and look to overcoming these hurdles and realize that things that we used to think we could never do are just, we, we just have to approach it from a different angle. And if this concept seems very, very familiar, it's because it is. I talked about this topic of growth mindset and fixed mindsetness <laughs> a few episodes back. And this was based off Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is a phenomenal book. And in those episodes, I s essentially summarize what growth mindset is, what fixed mindset is, and how they're impacting us, including the ideas of labeling. So if you want to check that out, be my guest. And for all you curious beans, that is episode 24 and 25. And I don't know why I'm speaking like this. And she talks about the idea of labeling and how that really locks us into an identity so the word dumb, for example, uh, and this goes to another concept as well, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is that if we have a label, for example, dumb, we will actually self-fulfill that identity. So if you, for example, don't like geography, you consider yourself dumb, you've been called dumb by others, or you label yourself as dumb, you will try less. If there's a question that you don't understand, you're going to try less because you already have embodied that identity as dumb. And so the opposite is true as well. If someone thinks they're smart at, for example, history, if you don't get something or if someone calls you dumb or something, you're like, oh, hang on, <laughs> I will try this and try this again. And you actually have more patience with yourself because simply of that identity. And it's so, so ironic now because I've seen students who already have that leg up of being quote unquote smart. And so they're exponentially going to go up because they'll make more mistakes, but they'll try more too. 
And the opposite is true as well, where if a student believes that they're dumb, they're not even going to attempt. They're going to go lower and lower and get further behind from everyone else because of that label of dumb. But also, I should have disclaimed this at the start, I'm not anti-labeling. The idea of a label is just neutral. It's, it's neither good nor bad, but it's the implications of what labels have that are the harmful thing. So there are positive ones where if you call someone, oh, you're so, uh, so stuttering aside, these labels can be things like athletic or generous or kind, and it can be really, really helpful if that person wants to be more like that. Because then it, it's sort of working anti, I was going to say anti-clockwise, that doesn't make sense, back to front, where you may not be that identity yet or that label yet, but by being referred to, for example, as athletic, your actions will meet the identity of being athletic, even if you aren't that right now. And that idea stems from cognitive dissonance, which is where we have conflicting beliefs or conflicting identities, and we want to try and make things the same. But the label of smart is something that I don't believe is helpful. The reason why is because when you call someone smart, it doesn't actually validate how they got there, the, the process of being smart, which is them trying hard, which is them trying different strategies and seeing what works or, or overcoming mistakes. Because as the book, as Mindset explains, people who get labeled smart often have a pressure to maintain that and then have the fear of failing and, and they adopt a fixed mindset. So as a little experiment, if you want to praise someone as smart or talented, instead try, wow, you, you really tried hard and the results have paid off. Or I really admire how you attempted this and then really analyzed it or et cetera, et cetera, focusing on the process. If you're able to frame someone in a positive label, that is actually a pretty good thing. But we're just going to focus on the negative today because that's what I do best anyway. And so there are really harmful implications of um, of labeling because of the permanency and because of how long they will stick with a person. And during this, like when I was writing up today's episode, I was Googling, why do we even label? What's the point of labeling? Why do we do it so subconsciously as well? And a lot of it was talking about managing uncertainty our brain really likes to categorize and put things into boxes so that we're able to conceptualize it more and we feel more secure in our own head. And so, sure, some labels are fine. They don't really have much implications behind it or negative consequences. But 100% the words dumb, gifted, talented, uh, failure... So I say gifted and talented are iffy ones because like smart, it just doesn't credit them trying and, and the process behind getting the results. And so it might pressure people who are smart to live up to that standard and that label and, and create all sorts of problems. And also by labeling people as gifted and talented, there's an implication that there's also ungifted and untalented and creates a bigger divide. And I, I may be looking into it a bit more, but I just think for the sake of a classroom and especially what a classroom's supposed to help with, which is learning, I would just omit it altogether. 
And I was shocked to see just how young, how ingrained we have these labels from such an early age. And this happened uh, when I was home learning or helping my neighbor's daughter, who was five at the time. And she already had the conception of, oh, I'm so dumb at writing. So she was like, I didn't want to force her to write, but she had some, some sort of exercises she was supposed to complete, blah, blah, blah. But she was so anti-writing as soon as I said, oh, yeah, let's let's just write some um, chalk on the ground of just gravel, hoping to trick her. <laughs> but five-year-olds are smart, by the way. They are – oh, I use the label. But they are very intuitive when it comes to me trying to sneak some stuff in. So – I was like, just write some words on the ground. Let's just name these people. And she was so, uh, so resistant because of the spelling, because of the words and how they confused her. And there was so, so much resistance because she had convinced herself that she was dumb at writing, that she wasn't as good as writing as other subjects. Flip on the flip side, she loved maths. She was obsessed with, she still is, by the way, she's alive. <laughs> so she's still obsessed with maths. She, she had a natural leg up with maths. So I understand I just said something very taboo in growth mindset language. But I really think that we do have certain skills and inclinations when we're born that we just do better than others. But the, the extent to which that's true, though, because then I think when you're one, two, three, sort of that age, you're probably practicing these skills in a very obscure way. And that only really gets picked up once you're in school and then you're labeled as natural. So it, I think it's a bit of the chicken and the egg thing where is it the fact that you're a natural and therefore you get better from like being born with it and then improving or is it that you're just practicing the skill and then it comes off like you're a natural? Yeah, there were certain skills that she could do better at than others. Uh, underlying maths, for example, pattern identification or or logical sequencing. I don't know what underlies maths, but she probably had that. And so she had a natural confidence booster too because she just went, oh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And so what shocks me is... This happened so early on, so early on where she, the five-year-old, has already labeled herself as being good at maths and and smart with maths and dumb at writing. And she had essentially canceled. She had canceled writing from her life. She was so anti-writing. And that really scared me because if she's so anti-writing from such an early age, that will then, going back to the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, She's going to embody that mindset of being bad at writing when all it is is that she needs to approach writing from a different way or maybe she's not ready for this sort of writing. Maybe she needs uh, specific help in this certain aspect as in even writing the letters, not advancing so quickly to the writing of the words, things like that. 
Also, I do want to add that kids are sponges in their environments. So how we talk about them and how we use labels around them and about ourselves is also super, super important. So some conversations I had with the mum, she would say things like, oh yeah, she's such a natural at maths and and she's she hates writing. She just doesn't want to write. And obviously her, her mum has the best intentions, but I think the child still managed to soak that in and really reinforce that to her own identity. So as words of wisdom, just be more aware and mindful of labels that you might be saying subconsciously or just words that might be locking someone into a particular identity. And I was Googling this as well because I was fascinated. I learned this in psychology about the different stages of childhood development And there was this man called Piaget, because I had to Google that. I said Piaget at first, and that was a very not so good thing of me. So Piaget, Jean Piaget, and he studied, he was a Swiss psychologist who studied childhood development. And he came up with these different stages. First of all is sensory motor. So this is from zero to two when they're just sussing out their environment and it's not so much conscious ego or... Uh, awareness of themselves or others, but just sussing out their world. Two to seven is called preoccupational stage, where now they're starting to understand themselves. And that is the beginning of when kids will realize what is good, what is bad, what is allowed, what is not okay. And this is also when students will start to label, well, kids and children will start to label themselves. And so the the purpose also of this episode is to nip it in the bud. So advice and skills that I've used to actually try and counter this when when I see it. So when I see this fixed mindseted labeling, how to actually call it out. So what have I done? So in some classes, when students say, I'm so dumb, <laughs> immediately that would just flag to me and I'll say, hang on. Let me just hold it right there. (laughs) And I correct them in the way that I'll say, it's not that you're dumb. That doesn't even exist in my brain. It's You're not dumb. Okay, so as a correction, I realize that this completely invalidates the students' feelings because the students genuinely think that they're dumb. So trying to say, no, you're wrong, is is not going to (laughs) help. So instead, first validating, I can understand why you think that because... This is really difficult and your feelings are totally valid. And then knuckling down the idea afterwards that you ain't dumb. It's just because you haven't had the proper practice, etc., etc. But first of all, just making sure that you validate their feelings. I'll say, it's not that you're dumb. That doesn't even exist in my brain. It's You're not dumb. It's just that for whatever reason, you either haven't practiced enough because what the biggest contributor to people saying dumb is I ask them, how often do you do this subject or how often do you practice this thing that you say you're dumb at? They say, oh, like never. And I say, okay, (laughs) that's probably the first reason, the biggest reason why you're not good at this is because you haven't put in the energy and effort to actually get any results. You haven't overcome that hurdle yet. So that's the first thing I will just flag. So I say, okay, it's not about the fact that you're dumb. It's just the fact that you haven't put the right amount of effort into it. 
The second thing is if they have. If they have put effort and they say they're dumb, like, oh, I've tried it. I've tried these different ways. I just, I'm so dumb. Then I will look at, okay, maybe it's the way that you have studied it in the first place. Maybe it's the way that you were taught it. And not, this isn't a dig at teachers. No, it's just the way that uh, students learn concepts may just be different from how the teacher teaches, including also the fact that they have to move on and the pace might be a bit too quick. But it might be that, sure, it's taught in a different way. They haven't really had the proper concentration for that, I don't know, foundational idea. I'm going to bring in Sal Khan in the next episode or in a future episode where he talks about mastery learning and mastering the foundations first, which is another key thing that students are falling or falling short is that they don't know their foundations. So when they hit some sort of complicated topic, they'll just go, well, I'm shit at this. I suck at this. I can't even do it. I I look at this question and it means nothing to me. And that's often because they don't have the foundational skills. They haven't mastered, for example, if it's maths, if they're trying to do multiplication or algebra, if they haven't mastered addition and subtraction, then of course algebra and all of that is going to be hard for them. And then they'll think, oh my God, I'm so dumb. So essentially to recap what I just said, it's first of all, just flag. When when a student says, I'm so dumb, I'm not good at this, I'll never be good at this, they're so smart, remind them when you can that dumb and smart isn't a thing. It's more so how much you put, how much time you dedicate to it, how much strategic learning as well, because you could learn something for hours and hours, but if you don't have the right tools to actually approach it, then you're just wasting your time. You could say I've spent 10 hours on it, but if you haven't even spent, say, 10 minutes really focusing on this one concept, then that 10 hours will mean nothing. And to go back to the growth mindset, which is that if you spend effort, time, and dedicated energy towards one thing, you will always be able to learn it. You will always be able to grow. You are never, ever stuck in one single place, which is more so the fixed mindset where you believe that all your skills and all your capabilities are stuck and you can't change it. For example, I'm not good at art. I suck at art. I, I can't run to save my life. Like all of these things, including one my, my friend said pretty recently where she, due to some com- uh, complications with her family, she had to do a lot of phone calls. And at first she said, I cannot call people to save my life. I get anxiety. I have to plan everything in advance, like scripting it out. But when she was forced to do it, she realized that she was actually pretty good at it. She was able to do it. And that fixed mindset basically undid itself. And that's the whole purpose of this episode is to undo, slowly undo that fixed mindset that we all have and that we may be projecting onto, say, students or people around us, or even ourselves. So to sum it up, if that has all just been a jumbled uh, like mess of an episode, so first of all, notice whether it's in your workplace, whether it's at school, whether it's at some sort of event. When you hear the words, I'm so dumb, or they're so smart, I I realize I didn't even give the advice for that. So if someone says, I'm so smart... Uh, or someone says, oh, they're so smart, I could never do it. It's going, the the only reason why they're able to have this perceived label as smart is because 
of the fact that they spend more effort and time and that they uh, have practiced it in a way that you haven't. Then you just got to break the news to them and say that if you want to get on their level, then you need to do this, this, and this. So a few things to flag here. To get onto someone's level won't just mean mimicking what they do because chances are their skills are a lot more polished than the person that you're talking to. So it will take even more effort and more time to achieve what they do. But it's also just to reinforce that what they're doing is not impossible. They can get there. And the other idea is comparison, which is a huge problem in schools and where students just compare themselves to others and judge whether they're ahead or behind to determine whether they're smart or dumb. And this is so common and so valid to think because school's way too standardized. So where everyone should learn the same things and get tested at the same time and use the same tactics and resources. But actually, we're all on our own learning journeys and instead of comparing ourselves to others and saying they're smarter than me or I'm dumber than them, to compare yourself to how you did last time and and really trying to emphasize that point across to the students. So now to conclude. I hope that helps and the resources as well. There was uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. There was also, I don't think I mentioned, but... You Are Not So Smart, that is a podcast which I love and it talks about biases within language and an episode called Labeling. So they talk about labeling and the implications there, which I love. And also you can Google Piaget if you want to and his psychological discoveries. And that's about it. I'll see you next week. Bye.